Welcome to a cocktail cinema, folks. This, this is your, your first favorite bartender, your third favorite author, Josh Price, and I'm I am Josh Stewart here with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg Shasty. How you guys doing today? Good, 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 good. Excellent. Y'all ready to talk about Vertigo? Yes. All right. So it's today's movie. Easy, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling queasy already. Those of you who didn't happen to see the title of this episode, it is Vertigo, the 1958 Alfred Hitchcock classic. Classic. I'd almost say insta-classic, but I wasn't around back then, so I don't know. Right. So like I said, 1958, the infamous, and I do mean infamous, Alfred Hitchcock, known for this, The Birds and Psycho. Uh, it had a budget of $2.5 million. It had a box office of $7.3 million. Yeah. So for the time... Not bad, yeah. you know, pretty reasonable. Yeah, uh, two and a half times what they what they made or what they what they uh, brought in, and they're only reaping the benefits today. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, this movie is this movie is well known for a reason. Uh, one of those reasons is that uh, the, the the cast is pretty special, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, you got James Stewart or Jimmy Stewart <laughs> as uh, Mr. John Ferguson. Um, Kim Novak as Madeline Elster, mm-hmm. um, her husband or Sort of husband, Tom Helmore as Gavin Elster and Barbara Bell Geddes as Midge Wood. Um, she was my question mark through the whole film. Mm-hmm. But those are the main four. Yeah, there's really it's pretty. It's, it's pretty tight cast. Yeah, pretty tight. Um, a very uh, focused story. If 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 confusing, it is focused. Um, now to put a little bit of a, uh, I guess put a little spine on this. A little spine. We're going to do our speed summary. I'm not going to do it as James Stewart. I cannot get through the whole thing as James <laughs> So everybody's favorite long-winded uncle, Jimmy Stewart, is a retired police detective who is hired by an old friend to follow his wife. The man believes that his wife is possessed by a ghost. Hmm. Jimmy clearly doesn't believe him at first, but does come to believe him over time up to the point where the ghost supposedly possesses her and causes her to hurl herself off of the bell tower of a church in California. Jimmy is heartbroken. The husband leaves the country and he comes across a young woman who looks remarkably like the woman that he had fallen in love with and watched commit suicide. He spends the rest of the film obsessing over this woman and realizing some things about her that the audience probably already guessed, to be quite honest. (laughs) (laughs) That is Vertigo. Vertigo. And as the name implies, kind of makes you sick. Yeah. Camera work? Let's start there. Okay. Let's start there. So um, this movie is probably most well known for the Vertigo effect or the Hitchcock effect. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, it is it is when you put the camera on a dolly and you zoom in on the focus of the shot and you pull the dolly back at the same speed so the background drops away but the face remains the same. So it's always centered in the same spot. Mm-hmm. It gives the feeling that you are falling and it makes the audience a little uneasy. There is a reverse version of this that you'll notice in things like The Shining where they dolly in and the background comes at you. 
But this is the first time that that uh, effect was was used. Hitchcock really kind of broke some ground with it. Yeah. And uh, among other things, like he's known for his camera work, but that's the thing this movie's known for. Yeah. And I think that's what gained him such high accolades towards the end of this, mm-hmm. about this movie. You know, I mean, yeah. the acting was great. Um, it's question marks, you know, but that's that's Hitchcock, mm-hmm. you know. So Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it definitely uh, made me sick a little bit here and there because I watched mm-hmm. it daytime. Trying to lay down on the couch and watch it, and like no, this you have to sit up and watch this shit. Like, I watched know? this movie standing. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. I did. <laughs> so that's that's what we're talking about. I guess that's the that's the effect we're going for. <laughs> I watched this movie standing. That's fucking. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. Now, before we go any further, do you remember the name of the ghost? Carlotta. Carlotta. Car- yeah. Well, folks, Carlitos. our drink today is a personal recipe of my own called mm. Carlotta. Uh, I literally watched this movie, like I said, standing up, and I was inspired to come up with a drink very specific for this moment. Uh, So this is the Carlotta. Uh, You have two ounces of citrus vodka. Today we're working with local two brothers citrus vodka. Shout out to you boys. Shout out to Warrenville. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, You've also got three quarters of an ounce of chocolate martini mixer. Um, It's non-alcoholic, but it is absolutely essential to the drink. You've got three dashes of cherry bitters and two dashes of our favorite Aztec chocolate bitters. Mm. Shake that bad boy up, and you can serve it as an up martini. Today, we're doing it on the rocks. Uh, Cheers, boys. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, Mm. since we we mentioned this movie takes place in California, um, and especially during the 50s, I went with this because, number one, it's a martini, very popular drink of the time. Thank you, James Bond. <laughs> um, but also, you've got some of those, uh, so the Aztec chocolate, the mm-hmm. Hispanic influence, and the citrus and the the fruity, like, the orchard feel or the, yeah. you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that's it grown in California. Through, especially that, I mean, the using the martini chocolate and the Aztec chocolate, those mm-hmm. are two different flavors. You know, yes. one's spicy, one's... Mm-hmm. Call it silky, yeah, for lack one, of a better yeah. term. It's, uh, it's more, more milk easy. chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that works well. And then bury that cherry bitters in there, and you got it's. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a good feel. It, it 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 felt like a good pairing for the film. Um, I did go while I was cutting clips for it. Um, I did go back and make myself another one of these just to <laughs> see how it went together. I was right. Um, that said, let's carry on with our review. Carry on. So. Uh, we talked about camera work. Uh, the other thing that I think makes this movie so uneasy is the through line of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. So um, we had kind of talked a little bit off mic about why this movie was called Vertigo. And it's not a real solid choice when you just uh, offhand. However, Hitchcock did make a point of really expressing vertigo in every different way possible. Mm-hmm. So obviously the name of the movie, um, the movie opens with uh, Jimmy Stewart's character um, essentially discovering he has vertigo. Or gained guess, it because or gaining of gaining vertigo yeah. um, in the very first scene. And then the some of the camera work, yeah. you know, it induces vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, the coloring makes you feel like you have vertigo. Uh, you know, we... We're going to talk about you know the coloring and the shading down the line, mm-hmm. but it definitely it definitely makes you a little queasy sometimes. 
Um, and then, you know, the music, the music, yeah, it, a lot of the totally. violins, there's just runs of yep. the violins <clears throat> and it, it kind of it makes pulses, you anxious, yeah. you know, makes you, makes you feel off kilter. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, the dialogue keeps you off kilter. You know, the, the, the story is, is slow, slow, slow. Then it's fast for a mm-hmm. few minutes and then yeah. it's really slow and then it's fast for a few minutes. So it throws you off balance there as well. So every different, uh, sensual accent that he could put on this story Hitchcock took advantage of. Mm-hmm. So he may have been the king of the bastards in his <laughs> time, but he was very good at what he did. Mm-hmm. So it all started with Jimmy Stewart. You know what I mean? His, mm-hmm. his, right off the bat, you know, you're introduced to him as the last guy that's, you know, he's a police detective jumping what seems to be rooftops. Mm-hmm. So he's falling off a ledge and he, uh, one of his fellows, fellow officers tried to r- relay his hand Mm-hmm. He fell down to his death, and since then he's been cluster effed with a bunch of stuff. And yeah. that comes into his role with Marge, or Marge, Marge, Merge, Marge, Midge. I'm sorry. Midge. Um, she's trying to play on that a little bit, you know, because they had, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a love interest mm-hmm. prior they were, to they in were college. Engaged, yeah. Okay. And she, what I said earlier about the question marks, because I don't really know her place completely, because I think she's playing several characters. I mean, oh, she's, absolutely. She's she kind of leaves the film abruptly, too. Like, after he gets mad at her for painting yeah. that picture, there's yeah. nothing after that. Yeah. Like, she starts, she, she looks she's like going she's... going down. Yeah, she looks like she's <laughs> starting to go crazy, like, when she mm-hmm. starts yanking at well, her. Well, yeah, the last, the last time you see her, is it in the hospital room? Yeah, when he's when he's where she's like mom, like the the mom's here. Yeah, yeah. Scene, and she goes. Um, She talks to the doctor. mm -hmm. Mozart's not going to work. Kind of thing. That's what I'm getting at. She's playing the mother, the love interest, and the best friend. Yeah, friend. Which that was so weird. They're they're back and forth throughout the entire movie. Um, he he walks through this door, which is kind of a, it's like it's hazy almost because it's like Mm -hmm. one of those what seems to be 80s, but it's it's earlier than that. But like those uh, falling wooden. Lanyard, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever the the, the, the thing is, beads, the you know, beads. and and oh, hey, welcome. Can I make you a drink? Can I make yourself a drink? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were so back and forth and so weird with each other. See, it it's, a- it's at an first they were very nice, like mm-hmm. it was very very cordial, very mm-hmm. conversational. And then as the movie got on, it was like now it's going to a bad place. Yeah, you know, and and this is this is another one of those things where like. Hitchcock was able to get to the reality of the situation in that way where I've had friendships like that, where it's like some days they're more motherly and some days they're more friendly. And some days you kind of want to, you know, see where things go with this person. Yeah. (laughs) So like the reality of that exists, Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily belong in film, Mm -hmm. at least in this film. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 1958, we're still figuring out what belongs in film. Yeah. You know, we're we're still I mean, today we're only a hundred years into film. Mm-hmm. So there's when when you talk about um, you know, literary bumps and things to and, yeah. and potholes to avoid, writing has been around like novel writing has been around for over True. over three thousand yeah. years. And I think you know? that, that that whole segment added into the the hit Hitchcock hysteria, you know, um yeah. the unknown of he's he's so weird with his female actresses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It just it something's uneasy on every female that's in well, every one of his movies. Hitchcock <laughs> had problems, bro. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> like, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's had just, that's another vertigo sense. It's like mm-hmm. his his an inability to he can portray a man 
mm-hmm. and his struggles very well, but has yeah. no business trying to touch like the, the woman's side. He does well, obviously yeah. because he's he's done it and been through it, but mm-hmm. this is a day where this, it's a man's world in the you know in the fifties, yeah. which which is yeah. no chauvinistic stuff. Well, it's very similar side, to like what Woody Allen was. Yeah, exactly. That's you know? all really apparent in the film. It's in mm-hmm. the front front ground. Really. Yeah, yeah, and like even even you know after. Uh, the wife, you know, apparently commits suicide. Mm. Um, before everything's revealed, like you, you, you see him go down this path of obsession, where his his love for this it's it's like like Yoda said, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, it, your attachments can consume you. This, this is a para- paraphrase because mm-hmm. the whole conversation is backwards and takes forever. Um, but if you read one of those books up there, you'll, <laughs> you'll find it. Oh, the cameras you read one of those books oh, up there. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so your, your, your love turns to obsession when you stop it up. It's, it's like you stop it, you dam up the river and suddenly there's more than you can handle mm-hmm. and you're obsessed about this person. Well, when that starts to spill over onto someone else, it's fucking damaging. Yeah. And it's, and it's obscure. You, it's, you don't it's know which damaging. way it's up. Yeah. So you he you watch him abuse this person and 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 kind of change her forever, not just in the way she looks, but the way she interacts with other people. Mm-hmm. Because in order to get any kind of attention as herself from Jimmy Stewart's character, she has to pretend to be the person she was before, mm-hmm. the person that he he fell in love with or thinks he fell in love with. which is the second time she's pulled that shit mm-hmm. you know as far well, as this, this this whole this whole movie's a mind bender yeah you know it, and she's she's twisted into what seems to be three people you know like the mm-hmm. the, the wife of um of gavin mm-hmm. you know on on his side yeah her, and and then on jimmy stewart's side mm-hmm. and then back into judy which i think is her real the love interest yeah. like when she falls in love with jimmy and then into judy and then back into Madeline. You know, yeah, so Madeline, you're you're right. Madeline Madeline does have to. I forget about the 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 whole ghost plot line. Like yes. she has to pretend to be Carlotta. Yeah. So she's Carlotta. She's Madeline, and she's Judy. <laughs> like it's so weird. She like disappears behind a tree. Like, like on she's purpose, give like. that girl like the real person. Give that girl an Oscar because apparently <laughs> she fooled everybody. Everybody. Well, if you yeah. think about it, the whole time throughout the movie, she's playing somebody else mm-hmm. you know what i mean so like yeah. her and then she's playing her someone playing someone else kind of gets to that point where she just wants to be loved after mm-hmm. you know after. yeah and she like says that you know, yeah if i do this will you love me yeah, yeah. you know it's, it's just, just, gotta, just do, it, do it for me do it for me <laughs> <laughs> that's what dude, he says dude i think your jimmy stewart's getting better and better <laughs> as the night goes on. this is good this is good i've had lots of practice <laughs> like i've my dad was a big Jimmy Stewart fan, so I saw this, and you know, uh, it's a wonderful it's life, wonderful life <laughs> and and uh, Rear Window, and oh, somebody goes to Washington, uh, Mister 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 whatever, Mister something goes to Washington, Mister Bleep goes to Washington. <laughs> so I I, I, I had a, and then there's a Western. I'm getting off topic, but there's All a right. Western that he was in that was really great. Um, Those baby blues. Yeah, he he just <laughs> captured me. He just captured me. <laughs> I think it was his voice more than anything, but yeah, and he just seems like an honest dude. He does, but all right. So so t- do me do me a favor. No, 
Okay. Uh, do it. Do this because I tell you to. Okay. All right. I'll be James Stewart. You can be. Do, you do, can be Kim Novak. Do, do, do this for me. Okay. Put yourself in Judy's shoes. Judy or Madeline. Either. Well, technically, put yourself in Judy's shoes because Judy is the person that actually falls in love mm. with, yes. with, with his character. You're 26, and this man. Uh, that you have been instructed <laughs> to lead around San Francisco on a weird goose chase. Not even a wild, just weird goose chase. Uh, he's he's retired police detective, probably in what, late 50s, early 60s? Yeah, I would say 60-ish. How likely, how likely are you to uh, get the hots for this man? Well, hey, you know. Nope. <laughs> I'm not here to pass I mean, any like judgment. Like I said, that's kind of front and center of this movie. That's what they're trying to portray. <laughs> like, like, but in those days, that was kind of the thing. Anyway, like, like, the, 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 the men don't get younger; the women get older. Right? You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> it's San Francisco. I guess you're right. <laughs> there's, there's beautiful surfer dudes. Like the Beach Boys are down the road. Eh. It's like Greg, <laughs> it's like it's like Greg said with uh, with uh, with Heat. <laughs> oh yeah, with, with Pacino yeah. and Bobby Money just kissing all these yeah, it's, it's, it's a bunch of old and, Oh my god, we can talk about that for a minute. Because so, I mean, because the because the Jimmy Stewart kiss with uh with 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 his little Miss Lovey. Yeah, we, we got that joint right here. Oh my goodness, dude, it's it's weird. He's got neck folds. He's like, all they do is look at that. Kind of. All they yeah. do is smushes their fa- smush yeah. their face together. There's and then no, they like, turn their whole head. Turn. Yeah, it's like it's not a sensual moment. It's like they don't kiss. They don't. They, they, yeah, it's more like I'm taking you. It's more like, yeah, like in the wild. It's, <laughs> it's like a cartoon mine. eating off of a plate. Just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Ew. We, we talked about how, like, movies like uh, uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner are made by old white men for white old, old white men. Yeah. I think movies like this are made by old white men for white old white yeah. men. Because, creepy old white dude for right, like, other creepy. You know, <laughs> You know what I'd like to do, George, <laughs> is uh, I'd really like to kiss. I'd really like to kiss Novak. Over there. <laughs> Make it happen. Come, come here, girl. Come here, do this for me. <laughs> and if oh. you don't, I'm gonna force you into it anyway. <laughs> right. yeah. Can, now, just imagine. Well, granted, this is based on a book, in, but it's in French, so I I couldn't read it. Um, but I'm just imagining that there's not actually a a, a love plot in that book. It's just straightforward. And Hitchcock and Jimmy Stewart got together like. James, do you know what needs to be in this movie? No, Al. <laughs> Everything short of a sex scene? Make it as awkward as possible? That's you read we won't my kiss. We'll just, yes. we'll just put our faces really close together. <laughs> yeah. So awkward. I mean, everything about it. Like, Oh, she jumps into the Fargan Ocean. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> See, honestly, that's when you... Like I said, the whole, the whole time I thought a twist was coming... I thought it was going to be the spiritual twist. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. I, I, I didn't expect the it, to be a murder plot. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So after this scene where, where she jumps in the, in the bay, in the mm-hmm. San Francisco Bay, and he saves her. You're on board. He takes her home. He undresses her <laughs> and puts her in his bed and hangs up all of her, all of her clothes all over the apartment. Yeah. Scandalous, yeah. even but for today. After yeah. that, I was like, she woke up like, like cool with it. And I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, all that other shit aside, like that, no one's cool. So at that point, I kind of thought something was fishy, but could it, well, yeah, I guess what was to come. It's a really I mean? good point because, 
let's juxtapose. So let's juxtapose that scene against one semi similar. Similar. So this scene Ariel from Little is, Mermaid. Well, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna go with <laughs> nice. I was. We'll talk about this scene, then I'll bring up the next yeah. one. Yeah, so yeah. this scene is uh, a beautiful woman is taken into an apartment by an old man undressed while she's unconscious, and then she wakes up and she's cool with it. Like, like she just suddenly knows how things went down. Like he did not. It's like neighbors had to seen that. Like everyone was right, cool with right. it. Like so. You juxtapose that against a movie that I think came out in like the late '90s, early thousands, which was uh, it, it's a Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry movie um, no. called The Whole Ten Yards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Little nine, whole ten, yeah. yeah. So the whole Ten Yards is is the sequel, and in that movie, uh, Matthew Perry wakes up in a hotel uh, a hotel bed, completely naked. With Bruce Willis walking around the room, and he is immediately suspicious. I was gonna say freaked out. If I know Matthew Perry, <laughs> I mean, what's going on? Like the writing here is is mildly unbelievable, yes. but it's one of the few nitpicks you can make mm. with this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like from a viewer standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, you wanted like at the end of it, like look back at when you figured it out or whatever. Yeah, it's always such a big yeah. twist for these yeah. films, and that was the first time I was like, all right, something's going on here, you know. Mm-hmm. It does have that Columbo feel. Like you, you want to get there before before Columbo yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, you want to get there before yeah. Jimmy Stewart does. That's why I thought it was weird too when you t- we brought up the Midge whole hair point. I thought she was going to be scheming, but she mm-hmm. fell off. You know, I thought yeah. that was you know right away. I'm like, shit, I missed that point. You know, and then throughout the whole movie, I thought it was you. You went you went ghost with it. I mm-hmm. was like more like, nah. I think there's a little bit of something that I, I missed on that one. And then, what what were your feeling on the final scene? You know, when he when he's um, pushing her up the stairs, um, like well, I got to I have one more thing to relive my past. After he finds out that it, she's actually the woman that he thought he she was, yeah, and she, he's just manhandling up this up these stairs to get to the final. I not, think yeah, not, not calling out final destination, but mm-hmm. final destination of this film, and I can do it now. I'm I'm stronger now. Yeah. Well, it, like, it, he had to it, overcome it, his fear. He to did the vertigo. Yeah, and that's the excuse he uses. But I think. He's in such a moment of of passionate obsession, yeah. That there, she was going to die, and no they skipped what. that whole time when he was in the in the psych ward. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically just um, Midge walking mm-hmm. in, saying like, you know, Mozart, this is your mm-hmm. song. You know, and then talking to the doctor, like he loved her, he loves her, and Mozart sucks basically, and mm-hmm. walks off. That was like her final scene, and they. They just get right into it from there. There's, there's definitely because they say it's going to be six jump. months, yeah. six months to a year. Mm-hmm. They say that, and that mm-hmm. weird, you know. It, it's very abrupt. Um, but yeah. But then they get right into that where he's like going, he's searching for his mm-hmm. dead girlfriend that was somebody else's. Wife well, and or? when you when you go back to him in society again, he's revisiting the places where they used to yeah. go. So it's not he's necessarily looking for her. He just goes to those places, and in those places, there are people that dress and look like mm-hmm. her. And this is kind of how he gets ensnared. With like he, if he had just not gone to the restaurant, I think all the other places would have would have been nice, uh, like moments of memory for him. But they wouldn't have pulled him in to mm-hmm. start looking for yeah. her because you're right; he, he does look for her. But in the beginning, he's just there. And do you think he the, wants to absorb like the, the, that the amount of again. fantasy that they have between their relationship, as far as her kind of wisping off behind trees and like kind of mm-hmm. treating it as a ghost, or played some kind of element of, into that? As far as the the end end See, game, you know, he 
I don't know why he fell in love with her. I don't know why he fell in love with her. Yeah, she's she's absolutely a smoke show. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah, but personality wise, it doesn't seem like they have enough interaction. Yeah. Like off the bat, you're saying like yeah, thought like, she was mad. I think it was because she was like he just saw that she was like suicidal mm-hmm. and like Helpless. something was overcoming her. <laughs> In the yeah. sense that his vertigo was mm-hmm. overcoming him and controlling his life mm-hmm. and not, not allowing him to kind of, I, I feel like, yeah, like it was, mm-hmm. it was her kind of obsession with the dead, with her mm-hmm. aunt mm-hmm. and constantly okay. going to the, to the grave no, yeah. early in and the him movie kind too, of being in a limbo of like always freaking mm-hmm. out with the vertigo. For sure. And then early in the movie too, uh, Midge makes a comment saying, you're never going to come back from this un- unless there's a, another giant traumatic moment in your life. Mm-hmm. Which, Kind of, I would like to think that that played a part in the ending. You know, maybe because the movie ended with basically him like this, like, oh, fuck. well, that's the whole <laughs> point. Having that's watched the, her die that's twice, that's the whole point. Is like, yeah, it's like yeah. he overcomes his vertigo. He went up there, like you just said a minute mm-hmm. ago, and we kind of and lost, I was standing over lost it, track. Yeah. You're like, she was gonna die either way, which mm-hmm. I agree with you. When he was going up those steps, he yeah. was gonna find, he was, yeah. he, was mm-hmm. he was gonna kill her, right? Yeah. But they get up there and they do make up and they kiss. Yeah. And the, it's the nun that startles her. Mm-hmm. And falls to her death. You know yeah. what I mean? So like, yeah. at some point, I also believe that that changes. Mm-hmm. But Midge, Midge tells him, like, you know, or, yeah, like, well, you, you can be free if you mm-hmm. confront it with another yeah. life. Yeah. Like, and I wasn't completely sold on the fact that she was startled and fell. I was kind of, part of me was like, because it seemed like she kind of turned her shoulders at, as to the fact like she was afraid of going to jail. Because now all of her shit is in the air. The nun kind of stumbled upon them. She heard a sound. She got I wasn't a, completely a cast sold. of judgment. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I know. And that, yeah, yeah. That, that giant, like, because it, it started as like a silhouette, yeah. a big, like, devilish, yeah. like, yeah. what you talk about, like a ghost. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of formed into a nun. And I think that's when she took, that part was convoluted well, a little bit to me. I, I think. Like, did she jump or did she fall? Cause I, 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 I think she, she, was she fell. The, However, it's, it, it's all about, you, you have to go back and, and watch it real slowly to see exactly how it happens. Yeah, I watched it. Because it happens in like two seconds. Yeah. So she's having she's face to face with Jimmy Stewart and the nun comes up uh, from her left. So the the window out the bell tower is on her right and she's square on with Jimmy Stewart. Number one, in this moment, she is emotionally traumatized already. So she's not herself. Yeah. Anyway, she's already a figment of her own imagination Mm -hmm. at this point. So she is she's stressed to the max. She's jumpy, tightly wound. Mm -hmm. This nun comes out of the dark and startles her so first she jumps then she turns and as she turns she steps toward so instead of stepping towards jimmy stewart because she's still kind of afraid of him mm. she sidesteps him and that's what puts her out the window is mm. as she she goes around jimmy stewart she is startled out the window okay. it's it's just a, a an automatic response to me her. it was it seemed like a half and half it kind of filled in the blank to me and, mm-hmm. and then that the final where he's like you said about conquering his Mm-hmm. His fear at, at that point, he's lost the woman he loves twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so vertigo doesn't really that's, matter for and, me. That's yeah. the bone chilling part about this Hitchcock film is mm-hmm. that he lost her twice. Yeah. And it, yeah, like I said, at what cost? You know what I mm-hmm. mean? He he had lost her twice and his you know his other partner in mm-hmm. the police force too. Yeah, but the but the the shriek when mm-hmm. she falls down the second time. Yeah. If you notice, it's the mm-hmm. same shriek. Yeah, like same audio mm-hmm. take as 
The first as time. when they throw his oh, wife's yeah, no. as when they throw Galvin's dead. Mm-hmm. His wife's already dead. They throw mm-hmm. her dead body so over. Broke her neck before. And and Madeline mm-hmm. or Judy screams. Mm-hmm. It's the same yeah. scream okay. when she comes down and actually falls to her death. Which yeah. is like even if you don't know that, you hear it in your head and it kind of like gives you. You it you brings you, you know back. It. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you feel it's, it. It's yeah, and they cut brilliantly really done. So it's brilliantly brilliantly done. I, when I thought they were going up, I thought he they were it's going to be a like I said homicide suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I thought anyway. And they they cut that scene right away where he's like. Shrugging almost like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really gonna go above and beyond and kill this uh, fear of heights and just, I'm just gonna jump <laughs> off the bell tower. And, and maybe, you know, maybe he does. There like, maybe he does. <laughs> he's like, ah, crap. Yeah. I know that's what I'm saying. That's maybe he does. Uh, that's that's Hitchcock's, you know, yeah. thing is to to leave it open enough to be chilling. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to call out that bell tower too, because um, they did some well, nowadays would be called kind of drone shots, but mm-hmm. it, that the way it was. Crane shots, yeah. It was painted. Yeah. It, it, it looked like it was painted is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. It looked like a piece of art. Like it was, it looked clay. It looked broad strokes. It looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that separated it was there was a couple people that were moving on, on mm-hmm. the bottom on that. But it was a total picture moment. Mm-hmm. It was it was that. The whole movie's based around that small area yeah. in, in yeah. whatever, an hour south of L.A. or whatever it was. Well, the, the, the landscape and the soundtrack are characters all their own. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a hallmark of Hitchcock's work altogether. Like a very similar movie to this is Rebecca, another adaptation, um, where it's another it's another coastal town and another dead wife mystery and another new girl that is you know forced to look like the old person. Um, So in that movie as well, you get a lot of the ocean in that movie is used to be tumultuous. Mm. The ocean in this movie is is used. It's calm and it's serene. One of the, their their big kiss scenes was when the they mm-hmm. like it was almost uh, musical when mm-hmm. they would kiss. It was giant crashes of waves. Well, the uh, the water the first one. is at ground level. Yeah, he's not afraid of anything at ground mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So in this movie, as opposed to Rebecca, like I said, waves crash in that movie to give you suspense. Waves are mostly silent in this movie to make you feel serene. Like okay, this is where we're safe. We're mm-hmm. safe down on this level even though she tries to jump in once and then twice again he had to chase her down right it's so weird right like that. but even good even on, then if you'll notice on, the ba- the on, bay is not yeah. all that tumultuous it's very calm and still yeah. water yeah even though san francisco bay has very strong currents in mm-hmm. real life mm-hmm. <laughs> well so yeah i enjoyed it i mean I did too. at least at least would like to say that i enjoyed this movie i think camera work was phenomenal the back and mm-hmm. forth banter was great um Jimmy Stewart, we knock him. You know, we make fun of him a little bit. He is a good actor. He's got what he does. He's got what he does. And, you know, you bring in the right people around him. Um, mm-hmm. There was really no need for, you know, Gavin Elster. I mean, other than to fill a uh, Somebody fill had to plot. fill that role, yeah. Um, but it was pretty much Jimmy Stewart and his old love interest and his new love interest and him fighting with ghosts and goblins <laughs> and himself and all, all three of those women. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Right, right, right. So, folks... This brings us to the part of the show where I tell you I actually did my job this week, <laughs> and I got the Rotten Tomatoes score. I actually got two Rotten Tomatoes scores. Love me. Hmm. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a 94, and the audience score is a 93. <laughs> that said, I'm going to throw it on over to Greg. What do you say? I do like this movie. It's first time for me, too. Gotta give it up. Mm-hmm. Camera work. I mean, just just the time, just being able to change the framework of cinema today. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. 
Man, I got to go 87. 87? All right. Yeah. I can respect it's, it. It's it's there. It's it's up there, man. It's it's a good movie all around, front to back, score, mm-hmm. camera work, conjunction with everything going on, time frame, perfect. 87. It's a high it might be a yeah. tad high, but I I'm sticking by it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go high round it up to even 90. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Come get him. I think like the Hitchcock the the twists that you receive in this film mm-hmm. are yeah. You you expect that you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for it. You know what I mean. We're, yeah. wait, we're waiting for Hitchcock to give his appearance. Yeah, which I didn't pull that picture. I'll show you <laughs> after. But anyway, it's like like I was saying before. He's obviously done so much black and white film to mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. It's like he played such a role in the color scheme, which I loved. Yeah, like the dreamy pastel colors in the beginning when when yeah. Jimmy's still trying to figure yeah. everything out, even to the point when he, Madeline is dead in his eyes mm-hmm. and he's trying to make judy madeline and you realize madeline's whole whole blank canvas that was mm-hmm. her whole look you know like the gray yeah. like monotone like yeah. suits pale complexion blonde hair that was almost like white you mm-hmm. know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like he could project anything you want anything you want and that's yeah. she, she was so impressionable that's why he loved her mm-hmm. and um i think that just the color scheme mm-hmm steps it up for me for everything else that I was expecting to relive from an Alfred Hitchcock film. I kind of, that, that's what's solid point. This time. Yeah. I can dig it. Solid point. Cool. So you said a 90, right? 90. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go low. Uh, I'm going to give this movie an 81. Hmm. That's um, way lower than I thought, Josh. Actually. Yeah. So I have, this is a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Everyone should see this movie, but I think the the addition of the vertigo effect or the Hitchcock effect, um, yeah, it's very valuable for film, but he would have done that at some point, no matter what film he was doing. Like if he did this or if he did Psycho, after, like Psycho yeah. in this place or whatever he did, at this point in his career, this he was going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So that I have to separate from the score a little bit, and that drops it a few points. And then, you know, obviously, like at the time – Phenomenal film. This would have been up there. Like I think right now it stands as like the the vote is the number one film of all time. Yeah, it's notable to say that Sight and Sound, which is the British Film Institute, now it's their magazine, but they've been doing it since 1932 is the first year. Right. Mm-hmm. So every decade, um, they get together film distributors, critics, and academics mm-hmm. to poll okay. and essentially come up with the best film of the decade. They do it once a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, like I said, what did I say? 32. 32 is the first mm-hmm. year. So next okay. next year will be the the 80 the 90th. 90th. 90th oh nice. Year. That's so, cool. So we next year that. we'll 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 get to see if Vertigo gets it for nice. a second time in a row because mm-hmm. Citizen Kane had it for f- five decades. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Five That's decades before Citizen Kane held it. And it's um yeah. That's cool. Definitely worth knowing. Cool. Yeah, I mean definitely. it's 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 yeah. And I I can absolutely respect the the opinions of those who come to that conclusion i can see where you're where, where you're coming from um i don't disagree with you however in my own personal ranking the yeah. way i'm looking at film i have i have 100 years of film in front of me that i can i can i can pick from and this is definitely a cornerstone this is something that was very valuable mm-hmm. uh and stands as a movie that should be seen but probably only needs to be seen once or twice even yeah, by film students yeah. because the trick is there but it's a very easy trick to figure out. It's not like Tarantino where you have to go back and watch and figure mm-hmm. out exactly how he spliced, where his cameras were, how yeah, many cameras huge. he's jumping from. This is a straightforward, the thing you learn from this movie is how to do 
the vertigo effect. And, and great Jimmy Stewart impression. And great Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> it, it, and, and just, he was a master of, of horror and suspense, but he's done horror and suspense better elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, 81 for me, I think everyone should too, is like, this is, in my opinion, kind of closely linked with Psycho, as mm-hmm. far as the lady mother thing. So, a lot of his films are like yeah, that. A lot, a lot of his films are like that. Uh, like I said, Hitchcock had problems. We'll talk about him eventually on Director's <laughs> Cut. Speaking of which. Speaking of which. Did you know we have a show called Director's Cut? I did. If you're watching this on YouTube, all you got to do is hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit the bell icon so you can get notified every time we put up a new episode. So Director's Cut comes out three times a month. Every month we dig into the career of a, of a different director. Our first uh, three episodes are about James Cameron. So we cover the early part of his career, the later half of his career, and his effect on film as a whole. Our other video projects include Thesis Statement, which I know you're already watching. Mm-hmm. And we've also got a new, uh, a new show that could be taken off a little bit here. Um, we have four episodes scheduled so far of Josh's Hot Takes, the show where I do something terrible to my body and review a movie. Our first episode is I do the one chip challenge and review Magic Mike. It's glorious. It was a hot moment. It was a hot moment. It was, it was great for all of us. Josh, hey Josh, <laughs> what movie are you reviewing? Magic Mike. <laughs> Why the hell are you so sweaty? <laughs> you have to you have to see for yourself when you're so sweaty. Oh man. So yeah, we got a lot of video content coming your way. Don't worry, the podcasts are going nowhere. Cocktail Cinema is still going to be coming out every Sunday on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts online. Speaking of things you can get online, I wrote a book. I'm getting really good at these transitions. (laughs) I wrote a book. It's a young adult fantasy novel called Reaper. It is the first in a series called The Gatekeepers. You can find it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, anywhere online. You buy your books in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. Please buy my book. Buy my book. It's <laughs> a good book. Buy, buy my book. book. Buy that bargain book. <laughs> Grego, talk to me. Talk to me, baby. Um, find me at the Fozcaster on Twitter. Um, love to be here with you guys every week. Cranking out some content. And Absolutely. Director's Cut is going to be fire. The chip challenge is glorious. <laughs> Stay tuned to what we got going on. We're having fun with this. You guys should be excited as, just as much as we are. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Master of the mix, king of the keyboard. Talk to me. Yeah. We're not worthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Uh, <laughs> you guys can keep finding me right here. Um, hit up our Patreon page. Shout out to all our patrons. We yeah, love absolutely. you. We love see you. We, love you. you. we appreciate it. And just keep coming back. We have a lot of fun doing this. So I hope you guys do too. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. If you'd like to join our Patreon, you can head on over to patreon.com slash opinions. There, you will get exclusive episodes of this podcast, early access to absolutely everything we put out, and exclusive pilots to shows that nobody else gets to see. Definitely worth the money, and you can get some exclusive merch. Depending on what level you support us at, we love you all the same, but you can get some different stuff, so it all just depends on what you're after. That said, I'd like to remind everyone that all of our music is produced by Shasti himself, often written and performed by him as well. Every now and then you will hear Grego on the bass. Listen up to our Fozcast episodes to hear his work. That said, my favorite phrase. We see you, we hear you, we love you, and we'd like to say goodbye.
right back. 